0: This is the City of Refuge Thomas in Georgia Sunday Morning Podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. We're going to have a little conversation I guess if I had to give it a title today it would be called the basics and really pretty much everything we talk about around here is is basic I don't see the gospel as terribly complicated some people find it hard to believe just because of the supernatural element of it I suppose but fundamentally it's basic the principles are basic It really boils down to choices, but doesn't everything boil down down to choices? And people have the choice to decide how they're going to live. Now, I want to make this very clear up front. When we're talking about the gospel, when we're talking about kingdom life, it is a lifestyle. You're choosing a life. You're not choosing to have that as part of what your life is about. You're not choosing to have that as one element, one characteristic of life. You're not, it's not on your checklist of things that you do weekly. No, it is your life. It's a lifestyle. In John 12, 25, Jesus said, if you want to gain life, His life, you have to be willing to lose your life. So when you make that decision, you give your life up. You say, I'm willing to forego that life that I had planned for myself in order to embrace the life that he has for me, the life that he has purposed that I live. And so for me, my testimony is that a long time ago, I decided that I could better trust God's life for me than I can trust my own idea of what a good life would be. And so I decided to jump into the life and to make that my life. And so far for me, it's been very fulfilling and it's working out quite well. So the basics, and we're going to look at the last verse of Nehemiah chapter 9. <clears throat> you know, we've been looking at Nehemiah for a while, just walking our way through the chapters. And so in verse nine, the last ver- uh, chapter 9, the last verse, He says, in view of all this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are affixing their seals to it. So what's he talking about? What are they, what is all this? What is this agreement about? What what is it they're putting in writing and sealing with their signatures and their stamps? Well, we talked about Nehemiah chapter 9 a couple weeks ago, and you may not have been here or you may have forgotten, but what's happened here is that Nehemiah has to run through a little bit of the history of the Jewish people, of God's people, and how they were enslaved and how God delivered and how rebellion happened in cycles and how people really stepped on the their own feet all the time by choosing their own way over God's way, then they would repent and he would bless and he would lead and he would give them the promises and then they would turn to rebellion again and it's just this pattern of, uh, that had happened in their lives for a very long time. But now what Nehemiah has done is he has repented for himself, he's repented for his family and he's repented for his ancestors, which is appropriate and he has made declarations about how it's going to be from now on. Now, he can't force people to do any certain thing, but he's saying in his own head, in his own heart, this is where I am and this is how I'm going to lead. And for leaders, this is profoundly important that we make the right commitments, that we stick with the commitments, and that people see our steadfastness Our immovability, that when circumstances come, we don't get knocked off the rock, right? Our ability to stand strong in times of trouble, to continue to tell the truth no matter what anybody else is saying, it's important for people to see that in leadership, and that's what Nehemiah is doing. He's leading, he's declaring, he's going to stand by what he's saying, and he's gotten the people around him, to agree and to sign it and to say, we're going to commit to this as well. So that takes us into Nehemiah chapter 10. And I started to leave these first verses out, and I'm not going to read them because some of these names are just impossible to pronounce. But I wanted you, you to see names. These are the names of the people who sealed it, right? Look at the names. Why? Because these names represent human beings. They represent individuals who were living at that time, who were part of that society, that community, that culture. They were real people just like us. So I guess sometimes when you read the Bible or you listen to it on audio or whatever... And you hear all these names and you hear these stories and all. Maybe it just gets lost in the lore, you know. Maybe maybe we don't really see it as a real-life situation. The culture was so different. The times were so different. Their problems were different than our problems are. They didn't have the modern conveniences we have. They didn't have the technology we have. But believe me, these were real people living in a real time, dealing with all the stuff that their society during that time offered to them and the challenges that came along with it. Real people. And these people heard the voice of their leader and they decided, we agree, we're going to commit, we're putting our names and our reputations behind it, we're going to sign off. But then when you get down to verse 29, it says, now all these now join their fellow Israelites, the nobles, and bind themselves with a curse and an oath to follow the law of God given through Moses, the servant of God, and to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, and the decrees of the Lord our God. Um, I want to pause and emphasize that they made this decision with an oath and a curse. That sounds kind of strange, right? Listen, all this does is illustrate how serious this was and how serious they were in their attitudes about it. I don't, I just don't think, let me get on my soapbox for a minute, I got to, at least once every Sunday, I just don't think the church is serious enough these days. I don't think the church is serious at all, frankly. I think the church is very casual (laughs) about the way they approach this thing in the world we're living in. And people, look, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that I know that the fastest way to empty out a church building is to get serious about it. Y'all see how many empty chairs there are in here? I'm telling you the truth. If it was just because I'm good looking, people would be here. If it was just because I'm super intelligent, people would be here. I'm kidding, by the way. If you don't believe me, ask her. If it's just because I'm a good speaker, people would be here. I'm serious about the kingdom. That's why some people are not here. I'm very serious about it. I think there are a lot of really full church buildings all over the place because we're not serious enough about what's going on. We are way too casual. Listen, are our problems enormous? Are the obstacles we face overwhelming when you think about it in a practical sense? Is the war between truth and lies, or truth and semi truth, or truth and partial truth serious? Is the enemy after our hearts? Is the enemy after our children? Is the enemy still out to steal, kill, and destroy? Is that still a fact? That sounds pretty serious to me. Is the enemy moving about throughout the world like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour? Is that still ha- happening? Is devour a pretty serious word in your vocabulary? Well, I think if the challenge and the war is that serious, then our response should be that serious. I think we ought to understand how serious this thing is that we're in and that we ought to behave like it's very serious. That's the reason for things like most. That's the reason for things like House of Cherith. That's the reason for things like City of Refuge is because this is too serious for us to take a casual approach, a nonchalant approach to it, where we just go for a cool worship experience. I don't care anything about a worship experience, frankly. I don't want a worship experience that starts here and ends here. I want a worship lifestyle that causes me to be an overcomer every day. I, I need it to be constant. I need to constantly recognize that the Holy Spirit is right here. And His counsel is real. And I need to take advantage of it because I know it's life and death. That's pretty serious. It's pretty serious. Our kids are in trouble, y'all. All Our youth are in trouble, they're confused, they're wandering, they're lost, they're looking for answers. They need somebody to step up in a real serious fashion and fill up those gaps that have been created in their lives by the irresponsibility of adults. Serious business. That's why we make our commitment with an oath and a curse. I declare with my own blood, with my own heartbeat, with my own mind, that I'm committed, that, I'm, that this is real, that I'm going to fight, and I'm going to do, and I'm going to work, and I'm going to give, and I'm going to love, and I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to do all the s- ridiculous things that Jesus said we're supposed to do as His followers, because it's serious. And with a curse with a curse that I know that if I'm not in it for real, I got no shot. I got no shot. Maybe you plan on just casually strolling through the pearly gates one day and taking up residence in your, in your abode, whatever it looks like there. If I were you, folks, listen, take this seriously. Don't bank on it. <laughs> Don't bank on it. Just, I'm not going to pass any judgments. I'm, gonna te- I'm not going to act like I know everything about it all. But I'm going to tell you this, you're walking on dangerous ground, if you bank on just living this casual, manby pamby Christian life and just getting in and enjoying all of eternity in the presence of God exactly on the same level that all those who were really serious with Him do, I wouldn't bank on it. With an oath and a curse... We promise, verse 30, not to give our daughters in marriage to the peoples around us or to take their daughters for our sons. And when the neighboring peoples bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on any holy day. Every seventh year, we will forego working the land and will cancel all debts. We assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of a shekel each year for the service of the house of our God. For the bread set out on the table, for the regular grain offerings and burnt offerings, for the offerings on the Sabbaths at the new moon feasts and at the appointed festivals, for the holy offerings, for sin offerings to make atonement for Israel, for all the duties of the house of our God. We, the priests, the Levites, and the people have cast lots to determine when each of our families is to bring to the house of God. At set times each year, a contribution of wood to burn on the altar of the Lord our God. As it is written in the law, we also assume responsibility for bringing to the house of the Lord. Each year the first fruits of our crops and of every fruit tree, as it is also written in the law, we will bring the firstborn of our, of our sons and of our cattle, of our herds and of our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests ministering there. Moreover, we will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God, to the priests, the first of our ground meal, of our grain offerings, of the fruit of all our trees, and of our new wine and of olive oil and we will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all the towns where we work a priest descended from Aaron is to accompany the Levites when they receive the tithes and the Levites are to bring a tenth of the tithes up to the house of our God to the storerooms of the Treasury the people of Israel including the Levites are to bring their contributions of grain new wine and olive oil to the storerooms where the articles for the sanctuary and for the ministering priests the gatekeepers and the musicians are also kept we will not neglect the house of our god all right nehemiah is talking in terms of the culture they live in let's talk about the culture we live in okay because we don't operate exactly like that anymore, that was the Jewish religious system. They were following the commands that God had given them concerning the religious system that was set up for them at that time, but the principles are still the same. And there are three things, three things that we are going to learn here, three things that we're going to commit to before we leave the room for those who will commit. Those who would be willing to say, I commit to this with an oath and a curse, and I'd be willing to sign my name in blood behind this commitment. Okay? But here's where we got, where we got to get to first. When we're talking about the life of the kingdom in relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, we're talking about being all in, We're talking about being serious. We're talking about it being a lifestyle. And when Nehemiah is talking, he is talking in specific terms to where they're living right then, but he's also teaching us lessons that transcend all of time and distance that we can still gain from today. And one of the most important lessons he's giving to us is, listen, You've got to separate yourself from the world. You have to separate yourself from the world. And this is one of the most major problems, if, the, if not the biggest problem, with why the church is impotent and ineffective at a very high level in the world today. is because we want to call the name of Christ. We want to talk about the Bible, we want to teach lessons and preach sermons out of that book. We want to go to church. We want to do the church stuff. But we want to also mix in a lot of the philosophies and ideas and methods and opinions of the world. And it cannot work like that. That makes the church anemic. Anemic. It makes the church weak. It makes the church way less effective than the church ought to be. Paul in Romans chapter 12 said, Do not conform to the world, but what? Be transformed. In other words, be taken to a different place. Have the mind renewed, transformed, into a mind that works in a different way than a mind mind that functions according to the world's philosophies' works. It starts in here. It starts with how you think. You speak based off of what's in your head. You behave based off of a thought. Nobody ever commits an action without there is first a thought. That's why Paul says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The mind of a kingdom son, the mind of a kingdom daughter, has to be different than the mind of the world. We cannot have a worldly mindset, and we cannot have both. In John chapter 17, when Jesus is praying, He says this, He says, He's praying to God on behalf of his people, his followers. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So I want to give you this little two-letter word real quick that is powerfully important. It's the word of. Okay? Of. And I'll just ask you the question. What are you of? What are you of? You say, well, how do how do I evaluate that? How how can I find out what I'm of? Well, what do you think about? What what are your decisions based off of? How do you live? What's the nature of your communication? What do you spend the most time thinking about? Who do you spend the most time listening to? Whose words are important to you? And what effect do they have in your life? All of that will answer the question about what you're of. You've heard the the statement that Christ followers are to be in the world, but not of the world, right? This is where we live. We're in the world. We are impacted by the world, by the way it functions. But we cannot have a mentality that is of the world because the world's mentality is opposite of what kingdom mentality is. The world's mentality puts value In money, resources, status, career, possessions, relationships with other people, idols, icons, success, power, politics, philosophy. Evaluate yourself now. What do you think about? What's in your head? What dictates and governs the way you think, the way you act, the way you communicate? Whatever that is, that's what you're of. If you watch a particular news channel for hours a day or hours a week and you have a lot of conversations about that, and it takes up a lot of time and a lot of emotional energy, that's what you're of. If you're focused on finances, on security, on the future, on investments, on the size of your bank account, on a great future financially, stability, If that dominates your thinking, if it drives your decisions, then that's what you're of. If there's a teacher, a preacher, a writer that you follow, that you pay really careful attention to their words, that you give a lot of time to listening to it, to reading it, to absorbing it, and it makes a difference in how you live then that's at least part of what you're of right listen if you thrive on conflict if everything to you is something is is, is a fight if everything to you is a challenge and you got to get back there's a revenge factor there's a you can't get one over on me factor There's a negativity that wraps itself around that. There's bitterness that's engaged in that. There's resentment that settles in because of that. There's always this agitation. You you harbor offense. And then retaliation is a byproduct. That's what you're of. Those are all characteristic of a mindset of the world. And Jesus said, you can't have the world and me. If you want my life, you give up that life. You be in the world, but you're not of the world. And listen, the world ought to be able to see clearly that you're not of them. They ought to frequently look at you like you're nuts. Right? You don't sound like them. You don't act like them. You don't argue like them. You don't invoke the power of politics and government like them. Listen, I'm always grateful for the good things. I'm really proud of our Supreme Court over the last few days, frankly. I'll say that publicly. That they would support somebody and not not forcing them after they've built their own business to do business with someone that would violate their faith and their belief system. I'm glad for that. But you know what, if our Supreme Court goes to hell in a handbasket, that's not going to destroy my life because that's not what I'm of. My God is going to be God no matter what they do. Jesus Christ is still Lord no matter what they do. No matter who's in the White House, no matter who sits in the seats of Congress, What are we of? So we make our commitments based off of what we're of. And number one of the three commitments is we follow God's words, period. That's how Nehemiah starts. Nehemiah starts by saying, these are the words of God. These are the words of God. And he lays out what are the words of God. And guess what, folks? The words of God never change. They never change. So you can always go there. It's always reliable. It's always consistent. It never contradicts itself. It's always filled with power. It's always consistent in its truth. So we follow the words of God. My favorite Psalm, my favorite chapter in the Bible, you know. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk after the counsel of the ungodly. Who's the ungodly? The world. (laughs) Or stand in the way of sinners, that's the world. Or sit in the seat of mockers, that's the world. But his delight is where? Is on God's words. And on those words, he meditates day and night. That's the mindset. That's the mindset of the kingdom. On those words, he meditates day and night. And when he does that, then he becomes like a tree planted by rivers of water, brings forth fruit in season. The leaves of that tree will be big and beautiful, and whatever he does will prosper. The second thing we commit ourselves to is that we separate from the world, that requires a decision. You say, well, i got friends who are not believers. Am I supposed to separate myself from them? Not fully, no. But in terms of compromise, absolutely. Absolutely. Nehemiah says, hey, we're making a commitment now that we're not going to let our daughters marry them and we're not going to let our sons marry them. If they don't believe like we do, it's not going to happen. They'll have to run off to get married. Right? We're not going to support it. I've told my kids in no uncertain language. Do not connect yourself with someone who doesn't believe like we do, or you will get zero support from me. Nothing. That's how strongly I feel about it. That's making a commitment with an oath and a curse, because I'm making an oath right now that it's not going to happen, and if it does happen, you're going to get the curse right? It's very, very serious stuff. We separate ourselves from the world. And in addition to those important relationships, he talks about finances, money, business dealings. You don't get mixed up in business, in bartering, in agreements with people whose whose methods and whose principles are sketchy, who don't align with the principles you find in God's Word, because guess what? Every good practice in business is supported by the Word of God. That's actually where it comes from. If you study business and finance, God's Word lays out the principles for how that should operate. Now, in your school textbooks, it won't say that, but that's where it comes from. It goes back that far. We separate from the world in relationships, in business and transactional money, and in our approach to worship. So Nehemiah says, "Hey, when they come around here on our Sabbath day of worship, wanting to do something else, wanting to do it differently, wanting to mix in some other stuff, forget about it. It's not happening. It's not happening." You know, and he's talking about the Sabbath. Well, we don't do Sabbath like they did the Sabbath, but we do have our times. We're focused on worship and the Word, and we're not going to let it get mixed up with a lot of other stuff. We're going to do it God's way because we're paying attention to God's words, and we're going to separate ourselves from the world, and we commit to it with an oath and a curse. And then the third commitment, and this is the one a whole lot of people don't like to talk about. Sorry, got to talk about it. We're going to give. We're going to give of our time. We're going to give of our talent. We're going to give of our treasure. Time, talent, and treasure. Because when he's sharing, he talks about bringing in the first fruits Bringing in the grain offerings, bringing in the first and the best of everything. Don't wait and see what's left over. We got to give God the best first, right? We have to give of our energy, we have to give of our effort, we have to give of our strength, we have to give of our talents. Everybody has something they can do, everybody has some way they can give. And then, yes, we give of our money. We give our finances. And we're steady. And we're faithful. And we're consistent with that. Right? And we're a small body here. And I appreciate so much those of you who give consistently. And we know we can depend on it. And it's generous. And let me tell you something. When you actively participate and benefit from the ministry, but you never give, that's a drain. I'm sorry. Honest. No, I'm not sorry. Honest. Right? Just being honest. And when you just vanish with your giving and all of a sudden, you know, that is missing, it drains. Then we're looking. We're, we're having to cut. We're having to talk. We're having to make adjustments. Giving is at the heart of God. All over the Scripture, you find where God's people are told, you must give. Give out of a cheerful heart. Right? And you'll find that even if it doesn't feel cheerful to start with, that cheerfulness will grow up. And all of a sudden, giving will become joyful to you. Giving will become very rewarding to you. It will be a very special part of what you do consistently in the kingdom of God. And the reality is this, folks, we can't do anything if people don't give. We can't do anything. I mean, what are we supposed to do? We're running a kids program here. We don't want to just bring the kids over here and, and let them run around the building for an hour or two in the afternoons after school or in the summer, you know, and climb on the chairs and do somersaults in the floor, not be able to feed them anything, not be able to take them to Dickies to get ice cream, not be able to take them to the movies, not be able to take them and to do things that cost money. These things cost money. So giving is huge. If you're going to do kingdom work and and consistent, generous, giving that can be expected from the leadership and for those who run the ministries ministries and the program is very important and it's very much appreciated so we follow god's words we separate from the world and we give those are our commitments i'm going to say a prayer to close us out and then miss deborah hardy's going to come up and uh, has asked for a couple minutes to share something with you but as I pray, I don't, I don't want this to just be standard me, you know, saying a prayer to close out the service so that we know it's time to go. I want you to make a decision during the prayer whether or not, number one, you're going to pray and whether or not, number two, you're going to make your own personal commitment or renew your own personal commitment. That you're really, really here as part of this group committed to paying attention to God's words and allowing those words to dictate the course of your life. If you're really, really committed to separating yourselves on a daily basis from the world and its philosophies and its mentality, and whether or not you're really committed to giving, and in your own heart, if you are going to pray that prayer, stamp it. Be serious about it. Do it with an oath and a curse. I'm in. I'm all in. Because we're living in a time now where either you're going to have to be all in, or you're just going to get run over. Uh, you know, it's just not going to work to be a casual Christian anymore. It's not going to work to be shallow. We're diving in the deep end. Let's all dive in there together. Let's pray. Father, I make my own personal commitment right now to close out this time together. That I'm going to continue to pay attention to your words. They're going to be the foundation of who I am, how I live, what I do, how I carry on relationships. It's going to be everything to me. It's my lifeline. I make a commitment now to separate myself from the world every day. To refuse to embrace the philosophies and theories and opinions and ideas that stand in contrast to who you are and what you've had to say to us. I make a commitment that I will give of my time and my talent and my treasure. I will do so in response to the commands of Christ and also because... It's in your heart. I make these commitments with an oath and a curse, knowing that there are consequences, knowing that this is real, this is real stuff that we're in. I pray over your people that they would be strong in their commitments to this as well, and that you would show up often and in powerful ways to validate what they're doing. And I pray your blessings of peace and power and provision and protection as we go. In your name I pray. Amen.